episode of Where All the Ladies At. And no, this is not a dating podcast, because trust me, you would not want to take dating advice from me. Instead, this is a history podcast that focuses on women that you may know and that you may not know, but really diving into the contributions of women throughout history. This being the very first episode, Maybe a little bit longer than a typical episode because I would like to introduce myself a little bit more and to give you an idea of what you can look forward in the coming episodes. First off, my name is Kim. I am a freelance writer and novelist and all-around nerd, but really particularly when it comes to history. I've written several history books with a online publishing company called History Compacted, which I will link in the show notes so that if you're interested in reading some of them, you can check them out. And one of those is actually where this podcast was born, or at least the idea of the podcast was born. See, I wrote a book called Badass Women of History, and this was a compilation of stories about women that were little known in history. And it really got me to thinking, like, how many women have been erased from history? Or if not erased, like, played down. That really ticks me off because we're half of the world. Like, we play a role in history more than people think. So I really wanted to dive into that. And it took me a little while to get the courage up to actually record this. So it was in the making for quite a while. Now, this podcast is a labor of love for me. And so I will say I'm new to this. There may be a lot of ums and uhs. And I may say things that tick people off. I may curse a little bit. And hey, you know what? If I say something you don't agree with or you don't like something, I am all up for criticism and debate as long as it's constructive and friendly. What can you expect from the podcast itself? If I'm honest, I really don't know because I'm not quite sure what the format's going to end up being. Currently, what I'm trying to do is that each episode will be like a small autobiography of an individual woman. We will look at what the world was like at that time for them so that we can understand the challenges and mindset of the women we talk about. Then we will go into a little bit of the history, talk about rough history. I'm not going to go super, super in-depth because then we could be here for hours and hours. I'm going to try to keep it short and concise. And then we may go over some fun and unusual facts about the women and then close it out. I'm always open for suggestions, by the way. So if you have any people that you'd like me to look up and do a podcast on, I would be more than happy to do that. So I think that's it, everybody. So let's get this fucking ride started, shall we? All right, so today's woman that we're talking about is one of my favorite people. And now I preface this by saying that she is one of my favorite people and people, you in particular, might think I'm a little crazy when we tell you about who she is because she is not really known for being uh, the nicest person, nor is she well known for being sane. And, you know, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Today we're covering Elizabeth Bathory. Now, if you read the title, you know I used female Dracula, and oftentimes she's equated with Vlad Tepes and everything. And I want to hold the phone to take a time out because I want you guys to know there's a lot of really difficult uh, words to pronounce because it is a foreign language, and I am probably going to mispronounce them hmm, quite frequently. Let's just be real. So I may be saying Elizabeth Bathory wrong, that's completely possible. Once again, if you want to correct me, that's cool, but be nice about it, okay? Because I'm doing this because I love it. So 
Um, Elizabeth Bathory, she's also known as the Blood Countess. She was born in Hungary, and she has captivated imaginations for centuries. Now, there's not a lot of history to be found because, of course, wars, women being written out, but there's enough to get a good idea of what went on and at least take a deep look into the allegations that surrounded her legend. So, let's get started with looking at what exactly was going on in history when she decided to allegedly bathe in the blood of virgins. Not saying that's what happened, but there may have been some bathing involved. So what was going on in the world at that time, especially for women? Well, in Eastern European, there was, as it was all across the world, a lot of limited opportunities for education and work for women. Of course, it depended on your class, the amount of access you had, but even those that had the most money tended to not always get the same education as their more masculine counterparts. That's because it was a patriarchal society. Patriarchy, woo, don't we all love it? Not really. Um, but that's a whole different conversation and I could go on a rant. But because of the patriarchy and the way it was formed, the women of this time were meant to focus on household duties and family responsibilities. Formal education was very rare, and of course, as I said, for the elite was there, but even still it wasn't as in-depth for the females as it was for the males. Marriage was, at that time, an essential institution, and it was primarily arranged marriages because you wanted to combine families to not only continue your family line, but also consolidate wealth and power. Women were expected to be obedient. In other words, be silent and look pretty. Now, also at this time, it was super religious, right? You had the Orthodox Christian Church and the Catholic Church, which both prominently played a role depending on where you lived in the world. Uh, women, they were expected to be devout, they were expected to attend services and have religious norms as their guideline. And this included traditional gender roles. And society was structured on a hierarchical level, not only in classes, but in gender. Along with the gender roles, there was also the hierarchical levels of the class system. And it was not only focused on the social class, but also on ethnicity. Um, and of course, noble women had more privileges, and once again, like I said, especially when it came to education. And even though the noble women faced challenges and struggles, as well as every other woman in the world at that time, especially in regards to limited legal rights, uh, economic independence was not a thing, and a high mortality rate because, you know, medicine at that time wasn't great and there was a lot of deaths due to childbirth and diseases. They still were able to gain some influence in minor ways. This is particularly true for those women who were widows, who were often looked at as for their elderly wisdom within the community. They did, however, find themselves in vulnerable positions because they didn't have male support. That said, though, a lot of the times these widows would take charge of managing the estate and finances, and that gave them a little semblance of power. So you can see at this time in history, Elizabeth was born into a world where she really didn't have any control over her own life. Everything was decided for her, and there were restrictions on any of her proclivities that may not have been thought of as socially normal. And that, in and of itself, could cause a lot of 
mental anguish and stress. Not to say that her proclivities were right, just to say that she was put into this box and not allowed to really be who she was. So now that you have a little idea of what life was like in the wonderful world of 16th and 17th century Hungary, we can really dive into the story of Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess, also known as the female Dracula. So before we get into the actual story of how she got caught and the crime she committed, I want to go a little bit over her younger uh, lives. She was born in 1560, obviously to a prestigious, wealthy uh, Hungarian family that had a lot of ties to the royal houses. Um, and then for her young youth, she spent her time like being educated and all this stuff. Then. And this is something that varies per uh, per reading. Some say that she was married at 13. Some say she was married at 15. But either way it goes, she was married super young to Count Ferenc Nadasdi, who was a well-known military man. Because of his status in the military, he was away a lot. And by all intents and purposes and everything that is read, the two actually really got along very well. In fact, he will find out later that he really wanted to uh, make her happy and keep her busy, and so he built her something very special. She had already started to show the proclivities of being a little bit off, like really focusing on loving to torture and was just really cruel in a lot of ways. While he was gone, she would take charge of the estates and everything, and this allowed her access to do a lot of things that opened up the doorway for her to be able to get a hold of these women, which started out as just the women of the house and the servants and all them, and eventually escalated into noble women, people of her own standing, which is where she went wrong. So now we're going to take a look at her crimes. I just wanted to really discuss a little bit about her youth and what put her in the position to be able to allegedly commit such heinous crimes. All right, so picture it. It's a cold winter's night, December 29th, 1609 or 1610. Not sure which one. Count Georgi Thurzo. He's acting on the orders of King Matthias, and he conducts an investigative visit to this, I'm going to say this wrong, says the castle in Hungary. There, he discovers torture mechanisms. During his visit, this guy sees Countess Bathory's torture sessions and even finds her torturing young girls. This revelation sparks fury and exposes Bathory's notorious activities, including the torture and murder, previously shielded by her title and high rankings, and the relatives that she has. All these things had been talked about in the cities. They had been discussed, but because of her level, nobody was willing to actually accuse her outright. But eventually, King Matthias started to get a little tired of all these rumors and wanted to make a example of Elizabeth. You know, Bathory was part of a very distinguished family, so it's no wonder that they put off attacking her for song. I mean, she was related to kings and cardinals and knights and judges, and her 
family tree also had some mm, crazy people in it. Let's just say, especially one uncle who taught her about Satanism and an aunt who instructed her in sadomasochism. The, the influence of others at such a young age really tainted her and really changed who she was. Then we fast forward to when she got married. You know, she marries this much older guy and they settle in the castle. And in order to keep her quiet and happy, uh, rumor has it <laughs> that uh, the count decided he would give her anything she wanted and what she wanted was a torture chamber. And he built it specifically to her needs. So he already knew this stuff was, this shit was going down. Shit was going down. But he wanted her to stay out of his way and be happy and, you know, a happy wife, happy life. I guess would be <laughs> like, it doesn't sound right, but you know, maybe that's what he was thinking in his head. And for the time that they were together, they seemed very happy. And you know, Elizabeth was a little more tame. Like sure, she tortured people, but it was like, you know, here and there, it wasn't like all the time. But once he died in the early 1600s, it was like the green light was on and she was raring to go. Once again, let me say like, they didn't know exactly how many but her acts of cruelty escalated and she gained people who helped her. She, her former nurse, Ilona Jew, and a local witch, Dorita Zense. Now, once again, don't know if I'm pronouncing those right, and this is all a legend. They would help her abduct girls and then she would torture and murder them. She used a lot of different methods. She, like, she was she was into it she used jamming pins and needles under the fingernails of the servant girls she tied them down she smeared them with honey she left them to be attacked by bees and ants and there was even talks of some cannibalism that uh was never proven but you know odds are with everything else she was doing it's pretty good that she was you know taking a chunk out of these lovely ladies and why was she doing it well you know she wasn't strict on satanism and and she was instructed on sadomasochism by family members. And so a lot of the rumors revolved, as I said, around Bathory believing that human blood could maintain her youth and her health. Now, this is kind of a common theme in a lot of places, obviously. And, you know, there's no scientific proof that that is the truth. But a lot of cultures felt that blood was a key to youth and health. Now, she had all the time in the world from the time her husband died to 1610 when this guy stumbled in doing his investigation. And the crimes were ignored until then because of the influence that her family had. But he was alarmed because she had moved not from only targeting the puny, like, plebeian masses that were around, but she had started really diving into the noble daughters of local people around her and this was a no-no right so Bathory became like number one wanted because she dipped into her own pool if the truth is if she had never dipped into her own area you know you don't shit where you, you don't eat where you shit right like and that's what she did she took from places where she was and so it became very evident that Matthias had to take care of this so once again he sent his guy out they figured it out her and her accomplices were then put on trial for 80 counts of murder 
all of them were convicted, as I said earlier, uh, but Bathory was the only one who didn't get executed. And this was because of her social standing. It was, that was the only reason. If, if he hadn't been like a family friend, I think they may have been, been related to, if I'm right. Uh, and so instead of being executed, Bathory was confined to a room in the castle, but she was never allowed out. They put slits in this room with, for air and food to come in and out. And she survived there for four years and died in August of 1614. So that's the complete story of Elizabeth Bathory. Now, I could have gone into more detail. We could have really gotten nitty-gritty and gross, but I wanted to keep this all PG, as I said, for the very first episode. You know, later on when we start talking about things, it might get a little bit crazy in here because I'm willing to talk about pretty much anything. I write horror novels too, so like blood and guts and, and, and the idea of all this stuff doesn't really bother me too much. I will let you know that whenever I talk about those things, I will put a warning on it. I'm going to put a warning on this even though we didn't really go deep into it. So that's the story of Elizabeth Bathory, just a young woman who was introduced to Satanism and sadomasochism, living out her dreams and fantasies until she decided to dip her feet into the wrong blood pool? Yeah, let's use blood pool, gene pool. Anyways, it just goes to show you, like, honestly, the world is so messed up, and in some ways there's a little bit of empathy for her because Elizabeth didn't know any better, I don't think, and she was she was surrounded by people that supported and enabled her in these efforts. You know, maybe if she was never introduced to all the dark stuff from her family, Elizabeth might have turned out to be just a normal girl because rumor and story has it that she was very intelligent. She was super, super smart. She just was not right in the head, I guess, would be my term. And I don't know if that's proper. She was not mentally stable. There were some mental health issues that were definitely present. Um, all right, so that's it for her story. Now I want to dive into some like odd facts, and I may have covered some of them, I don't know, but I want to give you a couple odd facts just to kind of wrap up this episode. Okay, guys, now it's time for the odd facts section. And sometimes I think, honestly, this is going to be one of my favorite <laughs> parts of the whole podcast because some of these facts are kind of unique. So for Elizabeth Battery, one of the things that really struck me is that she was a multilingual woman. And once again, repeat, remember, education wasn't big. She spoke multiple languages, including Hungarian, Slovak, German, and Latin. Okay, odd fact number two. Elizabeth came from a family known for its strong, influential women. Her mother was Baroness Anna Battery, and her grandmother was Baroness Ursula of Brandenburg, both of whom were known for their intelligence and assertiveness. Fact number two. She was widowed early. Uh, so I said she was married at 15, but there are some accounts that had her married at an earlier age and being a widow by the age of 13. That is really too young to have to deal with that shit. All right. <laughs> Odd fact number four. There has been always rumors of witchcraft. We talked about that a little bit. There has been 
stories that she was a practitioner of witchcrafts and occult rituals, and that really built up the mystery around her even more. All right, odd fact number five. Elizabeth not only was educated with multiple languages, but she had a passion for music, and she was actually a skilled musician. She played the lute and the harpsichord, and uh, she also liked to play this when she wasn't torturing people. So, you know, she was kind of a dichotomy of individual. Um, she lived in Shesht Castle, where all the atrocities took place. It's not only a fortress, but it was a cultural center, which made it easier for her to grab those women um, without anybody really thinking twice. All right. Uh, odd fact number, what number am I on? Uh, one, two, three, four, uh, seven, six or seven. Uh, she had a huge library. She loved reading and she, these books ranged anywhere from science to mysticism. It really led to a lot of the rumors about her, uh, interest in the occult and alchemy. Uh, number eight, Elizabeth adopted a daughter. She actually had a kid named Anna Dovulia, and fortunately this young lady became implicated in the alleged crimes. Uh, she was thought to be a confidant and maybe an accomplice, and of course all of her accomplices wound up in a bad way, uh, you know. And okay, odd fact number nine. Elizabeth's uh, family crest featured a dragon breathing fire symbolizing the ferocity and power associated with her lineage. This became a powerful sum of the Bathory family. It, the fact is a lot of families back then had the dragon involved in some way or another. Uh, the mythical beast is kind of thought of to be powerful and wise and all that. So even Dracul is dragon, right? And then the final odd fact, the legends surrounding Bathory influenced vampire mythology. It's speculated that her life and alleged crimes actually helped create the fictional vampire characters in literature and popular culture today. And I would agree with that. I think her, as well as Vatapis, and probably a couple other people, really played a role in developing the, uh, the legend and iconography of the vampire. So there you have it. Ten odd facts about Elizabeth Bathory that I don't think will really change your opinion on her, but at least give you a better idea of who she was as a complete person and not just the crazy wacko that liked to cut and torture people so that she could get their blood so she could stay young and fresh and beautiful for everybody else at the ripe age of 15. I mean, who worries about that at 15? Like, you look good at 15. Like, you don't have to worry about aging. Maybe, you know, as you get older, but even then, bathing in the blood of virgins is not gonna really do much for you. Alright guys, that's it for the very first episode of Where All the Ladies At, Elizabeth Bathory, female Dracula. I would like to thank you for joining me today and, and hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And please, like I said, bear with me, this is my first episode and I know it probably doesn't sound the best and it's probably, I'm rambling a little bit. Maybe I'm talking too quickly, that could be a problem, but I really enjoy the fact that you took this journey through the chilling tale of Elizabeth Bathory with me. Of course, her life is shrouded in darkness and cruelty, and it's a reminder of the complexities of history and legend and how they intertwine with each other. I do want to, to 
say like I am so excited to be here and sharing my passion with you and if you want to reach out to me by all means please connect with me uh, I will leave all of the social media stuff and the email in the show notes for you and if you want to reach out by please do I, I look forward to building a community that's really engaged in the stories and tales of history that that we look at uh, if you found it intriguing like please uh, hit follow and uh, let's start building that community and until next time guys stay curious and quit questioning those history books because guess what they leave a lot out and uh, a lot of that is about the women so I hope you continue on this journey to help me find where all the ladies at